All right, what's up, everyone? This is Casey again with the Chatta Heavy Podcast. Today we got a special episode highlighting some of the guys uh, from the band with Faith or Flames and um, just highlighting their career. So we're going to spend a full episode dialoguing with them today. And uh, so we're with uh, the front man of the band, Ian. So Ian, tell us, you know, what all bands you were in, uh, what was your role in the bands? Um, kind of give us a, a quick intro. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was, uh, I guess it started with man versus tree. That was my first kind of real band that, that, that played shows, um, that eventually morphed into with faith or flames. Um, and then after that kind of, kind of, um, you know, ran its course, I, I did, uh, another band locally called unspoken triumph, uh, vocals in all three, um, kind of, kind of a, a manager role, but sort of like not, I mean, I did booking and I did, uh, did, uh, you know, a lot of phone calls. And, and that kind of stuff but um um yeah that was that was that was me awesome all right eric tell us a little bit about your role in the band a little similar at the start uh also started with man versus tree uh morphed into flames and then uh then nothing after that so not quite as cool of a career but yeah, yeah. i'm glad you shout out members tree <laughs> the best the best days nice <laughs> now let's go into that just i feel like that's a good start so so what year did Man vs. Tree kind of get going? How old were you guys and, and where were you at around Chattanooga? What area of town? Okay, I joined, I think I was in 11th grade in high school. And it'd been, they'd been a band for at least a year before that. So um, they probably started in 2000, uh, probably 2002, I would say. I think I joined in 2003. So I was uh, 16, 15, 16. And that was with uh, Dustin Lane, Justin Tate. Uh, Chris Griffin was the original lineup back then before I joined. Gotcha. What about you, Ian? Um, I probably joined, I think about a year after you did. Um, I, I worked with Chris Griffin and um, I knew that he was making an exit and I'd seen, uh, seen them play at the mall one time. And I was like, Hey, I really want to <laughs> call her into a microphone and I, you know, see if they'll let me do it. And I went and tried out and they were on board and the rest was kind of history from there, I guess. Nice. Okay. So I, I didn't know that. So you originally weren't the singer. I think by the time I had seen you guys, man versus tree, um, perform you, you were, you were the singer at that point. So I was late to the game for sure. It was a totally different band before like Ian and Weatherford joined. It okay. was, yeah, it I was got in a lot more rough. <laughs> I got in and immediately started sowing my seeds and planting my influences. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we need well, a guy who can shred. Let's get this Weatherford guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. So was it still a, a very technical, fast kind of thrash metal thing? No. Or was it, what did it, what was it like early on? Uh, it was, I guess more punk. Um, we really wanted to be like refused. Uh, I don't know what else it was like what were they into back then like black flag and all kinds of bands like that yeah okay it was, so it, was it was just really rough punk music i guess it was very spastic i remember you know having to learn those songs like coming in and it was it wasn't like it wasn't the stuff i was really yeah. listening to but you know you guys showed me a bunch of new bands me either yeah I, I didn't listen to those bands either they they introduced them all to me so it was totally out of my realm too i just want to play in a band yeah nice good deal Okay, so so Ian comes into the band, Man vs. Tree, and kind of brings in, Ian, you bring in this whole, like, really fast technical metal influence. Uh, who, who was some of the bands you listened to at that point or growing up that kind of 
you know, steered you in that direction? Well, I mean, I've been a metalhead, I think throughout high school, you know, I started uh, younger, you know, listening to like, you know, grunge rock and that went into new metal and then death metal and all that stuff. Um, but at the time, um, I think I was super into like a lot of the, uh, the Swedish melodic death metal stuff, like, uh, at the gates and, and that kind of stuff. And then like the, the, some, uh, American bands had started doing that, like kill switch engage and shadows fall. And, um, I think I was super into Lamb of God at the time. So I was like pushing those bands at these guys, like, Hey, this is the, the next big thing. Thing. And then turns out they had some bands that were kind of on that same length. Like they showed me like a Treyu and like uh, 18 visions and stuff. So, and the, you know, a lot of those bands were playing shows together. So we were, you know, I was exposed to a lot of that stuff. So it kind of pushed us in a more, I guess, less, less straight up metal direction and more of a metal core direction. Cause I mean, I'll, 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 I'll show my poser card. I have no like hardcore punk cred whatsoever. I was always a metal kid. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. Gotcha. Okay. So when I, um, but you guys were a four piece though, as the punk band and then you, yes. you, so once Ian and Eric Weatherford joined the band, you, you were a four piece as well then. Yep. Um, now I remember when I saw you guys for the first time, uh, one of our dialogues as a band across town, kind of admiring you guys was, uh, I don't know how true this is. You guys can speak into this, but, uh, Dustin, your drummer, I think was one of the first guys that we had ever seen wear, uh, girl jeans. So <laughs> I remember guys in our band yep. were like, dude, check out the drummer. He's wearing girl jeans. You know, we were like admiring that, like, holy cow, he's so confident in himself. And like, you know, it takes a real man to put on a pair of girls jeans. And at the time, you know, months later, we all went out to Walmart and started buying girls jeans. But, but Dustin was kind of one of those guys, uh, fashion wise around town, I think that might've, uh, you know, paved the way for that. Oh yeah. He was the first person I knew that wore him. Uh, I think we got the, him from the Joyce. scene. I think the Dayton scene, I didn't, I didn't realize that there was like hardcore music in this area. And then we got, we got on a show with like across five Aprils and rifles at recess up in Dayton. And that's the first place I ever saw like girl jeans, but I was like, these bands are heavy. I don't care what they look like. And, <laughs> and you know, I was like, I'll, I'll wear girl jeans. I don't care. Right. It was, it was a good time. It was a good time in my life. Yeah. I look back fondly yeah. on wearing women's jeans. <laughs> well, guys' jeans now are pretty stretchy, so it's kind of the same thing, no matter what. It's really nice they've evolved that way. Oh, yeah. Lots of evolution there. Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't have to go. I remember it late night at Walmart, you know, going into the girls' you know, area to buy the jeans, and <laughs> it was just such a funny, funny time. When, it, when you think about kind of your favorite shows around town, maybe even from that era, kind of early on when you first uh, were introduced to the scene around Chattanooga, Dayton, you know, um, what, what are a few shows that come to mind that stick out that really uh, hooked you, I guess, for the local scene? I mean, that one was, was awesome. Cause I mean, like, so, you know, being, like I said, a guy who was um, a fan of a lot of like, you know, melodic death metal, a lot of like tremolo picking and like fast stuff. 
uh, Rifles at Recess blew me away. I had no idea that they were, there was a band like that that was even so close to us. And like, you know, that was like one of their, they didn't do a whole lot of shows after that. I mean, they, you know, they, they were around for a couple more years, but um, that was one of the, one of the, you know, only times I got to see them. And I feel like I was like, man, I'm, I feel like I missed out because I just didn't know about it. Um, so that show was really super eye-opening. I mean, I went to a fair amount of shows, um, you know, back around that time, especially after, you know, especially once I was in a band and we were playing music, I tried to, you know, get out and even see bands when, when we weren't playing just to get to know who was in the scene. Um, so it's, it's hard to say I I've got, I've got shows that stick out throughout like my whole life. Um, you know, I'll say like, it's not local, but like the one thing that sticks out is when they asked me to, uh, you know, you know, when they said, Hey, you're in the band, I get like a phone call one night and they're like, Hey, by the way, we got our first show booked. It's at the masquerade. And we went and did some battle of the bands at the masquerade. So my first, my first live show ever, I think was on the main stage at the masquerade, which is a weird sort of bragging, right? It was like, I mean, there was like 10 people watching us. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, Uh, like immediately giant. It doesn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> but it was it's just still like a neat little little bragging right kind of thing <laughs> i've got that picture on my fridge from that we took before that show still to this day it's saying i was like i should go get that picture but it's a it's not a video podcast so there's no reason to but <laughs> that show is one of my favorites too it felt like such a big deal playing the masquerade even though it wasn't oh, yeah. really that's awesome do you guys yeah. remember what year that was uh, had to be, I think 2003 or okay. 2004, maybe. Um, cause I, you know, I was, that was, like I said, my first time with the band. So, um, I, I, and then we did some like open mics at the Bay, I think were some of our early shows. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah. And then, uh, the one of the, I mean, I, I don't want to uh, blow too much smoke up your behind Casey, but, uh, I, one of the shows I think that probably put us on the map locally was that giant fest you threw it at fathom with like oh, as cities burn. And yeah, I mean, there were so many bands that played that. And like we did, we were one of like the bands that played, I think in the red room, but it was still like packed to the brim. And we right. made a lot of awesome connections that night. I mean, that, that was really, I think what, like after that, before that show, we were doing okay. After that show, we could headline Fathom and, and pull big numbers. So I think that was that was a huge deal for us. Yeah. Yeah, we were trying to think of the, what we called uh, the name of that show a while back, but we finally figured out Dance Fest was the name of it. And uh, <laughs> oh I remember uh, in that in the Red Room, it was like helping Mr. Wolfman play. Um, you guys play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know until this day and, and as cities burn across five April. So it was kind of a stacked like local lineup with a couple of regional bands or whatever, but I, and I don't know what the numbers did, but it had to be close to 800 or a thousand people that night yeah, or something. Yeah. And I remember uh, Tim from fathom telling, telling us that night, like this is one of the biggest local shows we've ever had. And uh, so it was, it was awesome. And uh, Andy helped me a lot with that show. And then also um, uh, Brandon, the singer of until this day, um, he helped me a lot with that show as well. So, so, um, okay. So give us a little bit of a timeline. So man versus tree, we're looking at, was it 2001 or 2000 when that started before? Probably, probably 2002, I'd say is when they, 2002 or 2003 before I joined. Cause they were a band for, I'd say around a year before I joined. Okay. In 2003. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So. How many years, I guess, before the name change and what, what kind of brought about that name change and, and where were you guys at, you know, with that at the time? 
was it 2004, 2005, Ian? I know it was after I graduated high school in 2004. I can't remember when it was, though. So I'd say 2004, like toward the end of 2004 is when yeah, it changed. Yeah. Either that or early 2005. Um, I know that, like, we had discussed changing the name pretty much, I mean, really shortly after I joined. Um, but it really started becoming a thing because we, our songwriting had started to change. Like a lot of those, like I said, uh, you know, metalcore influences were starting to uh, – you know, seep in, we started to develop really a, like a locked in kind of formula um, for like what kind of riffs we knew we wanted and, and things like that. Um, and so it was becoming a, a, a very different band. Um, mm -hmm. Our, uh, you know, original guitarist, Justin had left. Um, was, was, was core with us at that point? No, I think yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah. Core, okay, core joined. Okay. So we had, yeah. So we had gotten, uh, so Justin, our original guitarist had left Dustin, our drummer had moved to guitar and we got a new, um, we got a new drummer, uh, Andrew core. And at that point, our sound really evolved and it just felt like we were a different band. Um, and so, um, the, uh, the, the story behind the band name is, is not super interesting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we, uh, uh, yeah, we, we just knew we needed a different name. And, and you know, uh, I guess at the time, prepositional phrases were all the rage. So we decided to go oh, yeah. with something like that. And, uh, you know, it was kind of, it kind of stuck with us. Now, did it have anything to do, um, I, being a, another local band across town, we would hear rumors about you guys are talking to this label or you guys are talking with this agent or whatever. Was it more of like a, we want agents and labels to take us seriously. So we're trying to come up with a more serious name that kind of has a metal flair to it where man versus tree maybe just sounded a little bit funny or goofy or I don't know. Did it have like those kind of, you know, reasons for it as well? Uh, uh, to a degree. I mean, I do think that that name did kind of uh, ultimately held us back in a few areas because there were labels after that, that kind of fell out of fashion, the, the prepositional phrase thing. There were labels that were like saying like, why don't you change your name? But at this point we'd already, you know, we'd done a bunch of touring. We'd put out a CD. Uh, we felt like we had, you know, built up a lot of momentum. And we felt like at that point, a name change would be a bad idea. You know, looking back on it, maybe it's what we should have done, but it's, you know, you can always, you know, guess and second guess yourself and who, who knows, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, it, again, it, it's such a, like a, it was, a, there's not really a, a story behind the name so much. Uh, so it was always our least favorite question to answer whenever we'd get interviewed. It's like, what does your name mean? It's like, well, it's a, it's a prepositional phrase with a degree of alliteration. Um, you know, you can either be uh, with faith or you could be with flames, you know, yeah. right. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, you know, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a thing, but you know, it, it worked for us for a while. Oh yeah. It worked. It, we didn't think anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. It really was just a yeah, name I mean, more than anything. And so cool I'm a bit younger than you guys. And so, um, when I discovered with faith or flames, man versus tree was actually on pure volume. Um, and I think it was still man versus tree. Um, uh, but then, um, I must have come across Beneath the Hill of Oppression when it came out. Um, and it blew my mind as far as like what metal was going on at the time with what metal core was going on at the time, how it was mixing and going back to the name. I mean, it just, it sounds so much more metal, which is definitely, it seems like what you guys were going for clearly. Um, and 
that, but then Ian, like what you were touching on with, maybe you had people in your ears saying, "Oh, you should change the name." But I mean, realistically, what was that really like? What kind of traction was that really going to get you guys when you were already had your name that that name out there that a lot of people already knew, and probably a lot of the right people already knew that were actually going to get you guys distro deals, record labels, any of that kind of stuff that actually mattered. So, yeah. I mean. It's a cool name. I'm glad you guys stuck with it. Thanks. Yeah, there were so many labels with so many weird ideas. Like there was one that told me I need to play with a pick instead of like finger pick the bass. It's it's just such weird. It's just it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was your signature thing, though. I, I I distinctly remember that and being like, yeah, oh, for sure. This, this and the mohawk plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was very passionate, especially after that about finger picking and not picking the bass. After after that moment, I was like, I'm sticking with this forever. Yeah. Speaking of your drummer, at the, um, uh, after a while there, you know, Dustin was on drums. And then when Andrew came in, I just remember there was a buzz around town, just around him as a drummer. And just being, uh, not only was he just a really nice guy, but he was just ridiculous. And, um, and his speed, and I just remember... Guys would admire him, like musicians admired him. Girls thought he was attractive. He'd play with his shirt off. And I had a friend, a, a girlfriend of mine that would want to watch him play drums because he was so attractive. And so when he joined the band, did you got you guys already said a little bit, but do you think it just took it to a whole nother level as far oh, yeah. as technicality and whatnot? Yeah. I, that, you know, I, I kind of, um, I kind of uh, resent it in a little bit because he spoiled me rotten. Like it was hard to play with other drummers after it. Yeah. So like, I, and I don't mean any, any disrespect that, uh, you know, Caleb was my drummer in unspoken triumph. He, he was very good. Uh, but, and he'll tell you, he's not and like he, we couldn't do with faith or flames covers because of that. But I was like, you know, it's your, you, how many of those are you going to meet in a town like Chattanooga, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was easily the most talented member of our band. I mean, we would all agree on that. So he was, he's amazing. He still is amazing. He's got Twitch stream where he plays drums. It's awesome to watch. So, oh, nice. Oh, oh wow. Is he still, uh, is Proto Men still, still going? They are, aren't they? Yeah. I feel like he's playing for them. He's playing for this band called uh, Fable Cry in Nashville. He's living up there now. Okay. Um, just from an outside perspective, it seems like you guys were really gaining a lot of traction. And I think a lot of that came from touring. Yes. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What were, What were some of the bands that maybe you guys met? Um, either Ian was you booking some shows at Fathom or in Cleveland. Did you ever book at Thursday Thursdays? I never. We played there, but I I, I never uh, never right. uh, hosted a show or, or or did the booking for it. Gotcha. Okay. But obviously, you guys were the go to metal band, right, for southeastern Tennessee that was outside of Nashville, right? And so, if a band like um, uh, with Blood Comes Cleansing or like, um, how are several becoming the archetype from out of Atlanta, um, were coming through, then obviously you guys were like the main band that somebody like that would want to play with were maybe those two or maybe some other bands, some, some guys that helped you guys kind of get some of that traction, get you on some tours so that you could get in new cities just all over the country. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with blood comes cleansing, we buddied up with those guys real fast. Um, we did, uh, we, they were a different band first. I can't remember what the name of their original band was that yeah. we started doing shows with. Uh, but then they, they switched up some members, became with blood comes cleansing and, um, did, uh, we started doing, uh, 
shows with them. I was working at the Buffalo Wild Wings downtown uh, back when it was in its old lake location. And so they had this big right. open, empty room and they, they let me book a couple oh, of shows yeah. back there. They were, yeah, yeah. Those are fun shows. <laughs> yeah. We got in trouble. Uh, we packed it out, but we got in trouble. Uh, eventually we got like, I booked a couple where they, they would didn't tell me, but they just can't like day of, they'd be like, you can't do the show here. I'm like, what? And Tim from Fathom bailed us out. So, so we never had to outright cancel a show, but it was just weird. But uh, we did, um, uh, we, we did uh, a couple shows with them and then they immediately were like, Hey, we want to go on tour with you guys. And so uh, I think early, uh, early summer, 2006, uh, we did our first tour. Well, it wasn't our first tour, but it was our first like big, like nationwide tour. We went all the way uh, to Cali and back. Um, and, Spent a month on the road with those guys, had a blast, buddied up so hard. They uh, they were going to take a month off and then do a, a, a t- another tour with uh, My Children, My Bride. They liked us so yeah. much, they canceled their tour with My Children, My Bride and put us on instead. And I, no disrespect no. to those guys, because we ended up doing a tour with them, too. And they were sweethearts, uh, despite all the ru- – you always heard rumors that they were jerks, but they were actually uh, you know super nice guys. But Yeah, I feel like we've interacted with – Matt over the years, I guess, on and off with having him play shows and then even our bands playing shows with them and a lot of times in Alabama and stuff. Yeah. And he was always cool. Um, cool, man. I'm trying to think of some of the, who were some of the other bands that either maybe came through Chattanooga that you guys, you know, got close to, or maybe met on that, uh, when you went to California and back in 30 days, that seems like really fast. So, (laughs) We did. This is we where we need Weatherford. He's got the encyclopedia brand, yeah. but um, he still he still keeps up with a lot of these. People. Oh yeah. Like I, I I'm not cool, really? so I don't get hit up. But he like um what's what's his name? Uh, is it Wes from Whitechapel? I think he, they're still really oh, good friends. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. whenever he comes into town, they they hang out. But um, who yeah, was the Texas band that we played with? What was their oh, name? They're still around. Upon a burning body. Yeah, yeah. Those guys were oh, super. Yeah, we, we made yeah. really good buddies with those guys. Um. We did a ton of shows with the showdown. Actually, mm-hmm. I think the first show as with faith or flames was in Knoxville with the showdown. Um, oh, wow. So no, I think uh, was that John city or it was John city. Yeah. Yeah. Or Knoxville. I can't remember. I it was, oh, yeah, Cause it was in the old city. I think yeah. uh, it was like old city Java. Was, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yep. 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 Yeah. Cause they're from like East Tennessee. So yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're from, gotcha. uh, yeah, they're from Johnson City, but they came down. It was us, them, and oh, then okay. this band called Red Winter Dying, and and most of those guys in Red Winter Dying went on to be in Whitechapel. So, uh, they were an awesome band you. too. If you can ever find any of their like old demos, it's it's worth listening. I remember uh, one night at Rocket Town, we were playing with you guys, and Whitechapel was on the show. It was like some big fundraiser for Rocket Town, I think, in Nashville, and. We, they brought us like the lineup for the day, like kind of like a set list. They gave us a sheet of paper and it had within listed as right after Whitechapel. And literally our whole band went back to our van and just sat there like depressed. Like (laughs) how in the hell are we going to play after Whitechapel? (laughs) It was so bad, but we did it and it was horrible. And I was like, wow, we're just embarrassed. Like, how do you go on after a band like that? (laughs) We did it too. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite bragging rights. I like to say is like, yeah, like Whitechapel used to open for us. <laughs> and it was it's <laughs> oh, right, true, right, but yeah. like, but they took they they took right off. So it was like, you know, it yeah. was it was a similar thing where like they'd play first, and then we'd go. Some kids would stick around for sure, but it wasn't the same like furious, you know, storm of, of human beings. Um, and then also like I think we played in uh, Oklahoma City. Um, Oh, what's the name of that band? That's like really big. They're like kind of a, they're like a pop punk with breakdowns kind of band. Um, oh, what is their name? But they opened for us and they're huge now. Like a, uh, a day to remember. Day to remember. That's yeah. it. Wow. Okay. They yeah, opened for us back Ocala, in the day. Florida. Yeah. Wow. That's really random. Yeah. We randomly, like we, we had a show booked and then they were passing through and asked to jump on it. And we were the big draw that night. So they, uh, I think they were, I think they had just signed like to victory records or something. So they hadn't quite blown up, yet. Uh, okay. but, you know, but right, they're right. big enough to be signed and touring, but not, not, uh, you know, but anyway, they, they opened for us and they were awesome sweetheart guys. And so that's, that, that's my, like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. We, I used to be cool. Whitechapel and data remember used to open for me, but I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's I've definitely, definitely said not, the same thing. It's definitely not like I'm not I'm not I'm not as special as, as I try to pretend to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, do you feel like you guys got kind of special reactions maybe in other cities? I mean, you've mentioned Johnson City, um, you've mentioned mentioned Nashville, even Oklahoma City. Were there other places like even outside of the South that you guys were really well received, like just over your time as a band? It it was hit El Paso? or miss. El Paso, yeah, El Paso yeah. was awesome. Um, I think San Antonio, we did really well there too. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas in general was was really cool. Um, it's not out of the South, but uh, Savannah, Georgia, was like second home to us. Like they yeah. they loved us there. Um, and then, where did you uh, play in Savannah? Uh, there was a pizza place we would play. Like it was like right downtown, and we would play like in the basement of this pizza place. Um, I can't remember so what it's called. Yeah. And then it's there, still there. Uh, the last time on the Savannah, I mean, uh, I found it, and I, oh, really? don't the name. I think it has a different name, but I found it because I was looking for it. But uh, it's still there, at least. But I can't tell you the name. And then Fair enough. you know, once you get like, once we hit like California for the first time, so that's where like we were metalcore, which was kind of like the early two thousands heavy metal style, and then deathcore kind of came as like this giant monster that swallowed up the whole scene. Yeah, and we saw the first. Sure. Yeah, we definitely saw the first rumblings from that, like out west in two thousand six, because that hadn't really hit the east coast yet. In fact, coming back mm-hmm. from that tour was when we found out that Whitechapel was a thing, um, and they were still like a local band at that time, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, so so once we got out there and we were doing a lot of shows with deathcore bands, the kids really just wanted that. And they were there was the new it was the new hotness. They were all about it. And so, like, we would play our songs. Now, uh, again, sometimes it was awesome and we would get a great response. And sometimes it was just like, well, they don't sound like deathcore. So I don't care. You know, so it is what it is. It's, you know, it's the way of all things. Um, so I don't I'm not bitter about it. I was at the time I was like, yes, we, we just even a little like, bit better. Our MySpace tag was we don't speak Brie because that was like the vocal. <laughs> <I got. laughs> and it was just like uh, we tried to we tried to pull like the elitist metal card. And, and I don't think it worked out, but it was because uh, we toured with like Carnifex and that was more of that. And they were I mean, they were great guys, but more the death score. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so it was just very uh, it was it was just funny because they were all like, man, it's weird that you're touring with bands like us and not bands like, you know, municipal waste or like thrash or like, you know, that is right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's. 
literally what I was going to bring up was that it sounds like you guys always got paired off with all this deathcore. And I guess Ryan is, it was really getting popular. Um, do you think that's just because you guys were kind of maybe at the top of your game and that's kind of what was getting popular. And so that's how you got paired with all the time. Yeah, I think they were our peers. So it was easy right. just to, to, to lump us together um, just because, I mean, we, we did have breakdowns. So, you know, I mean, there was, there was that, sure. but um, you know, we were kind of the old, the old guard um, in a sense. I think if we had, if we had come out like three years earlier than we did, I mean, we might've been, you know, we might still be doing it, but um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Again, it's just, it's the whole thing. You can look back and think anything you want, and uh, may, you know maybe think maybe nothing would have been different. Maybe things would have been worse. So it's not it's you know who's who's right. gonna say I I like who I am now. I like where I am now. So I'm not I'm not like again bitter or resentful. I'm just you know it's weird thinking about all this stuff again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then like with just talking about kind of how deathcore kind of rose up maybe early rumblings of it right in 2006 but it's still hard to like negate the fact of like how huge metalcore was at the time especially like especially i guess with the bands maybe that people would associate closer to your sound maybe then deathcore would be stuff like azalea dying or even people that really want to stretch like would grab things like august burns red and stuff like that but when you um, you notice all these bands are bringing up are also really heavily associated with the Christian market. Um, and it seemed like from an outside perspective, especially even with your name, I feel like people that didn't know you guys or maybe would just come to see you might assume that about you. Did that happen a lot? Was that a detriment to you think to you guys? It never happened. <laughs> never, never once. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, do you want me to do you want me to give the, the long answer? Or do you wanna do, do you wanna do it? <laughs> uh you wanna give the long answer? I can I can back you up if you want. Okay. So we did start, we started as a, a Christian band. It was, it's I, I, I you know, I don't no disrespect anybody. It's not really where I'm at now, but uh my uh at the time I was and I re- and, you know it just seemed like the right thing to do. Um but we've kind of figured out um after the first album. Uh, that it didn't really feel comfortable because we were really trying to make heavy metal and have a good time. Um, right. We weren't really, I feel like, you know, I wasn't called to be a preacher. If I was called to be a preacher, um, then that's what I'd be doing. And so my, my attitude was, I feel like it's disingenuous. Like we're, we're, you know, and, and not every, like we, you know, we've met a lot of bands, a lot of bands really were doing it for the right reasons. So I'm not, I'm not knocking anyone else. I'm strictly talking about how I felt, uh, but it felt like we were, taking advantage of an automatic fan base in a way. Like we would play these church shows in in Alabama and pull like 600 kids and they'd buy, we'd sell like, you know, $800 of merch before uh, we'd even play. And, you know, none of these kids knew who we were. They, it was, it it was, it was crazy. And it just felt like really like, you know, it's, it's, it's not really like by the second album era, we were very much like, yeah, let's just kind of take a step back from that. But then the name was so, you know, <laughs> had that strong connotation. It was, it was, it was hard for us to get away from, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I still stand by like every, every lyric that I ever wrote, I think it's, you know, part of my journey. And I, I stand, you know, if we have, if we were right. to do another reunion, I wouldn't change lyrics, even if I don't, you know, necessarily agree with them anymore. But, um, you know, that, that was mostly kind of what it was, was it was just like, you know, it feels like, you know, we'd see, we'd see bands that would play and they, you know, 
have t-shirts with like vampires and you know stuff on it and i'm like what does that have to do with what they're supposed to be doing you know like right so it's just it's like you know it's like in the reverse of the bible where jesus comes in and just throws these tables over like <laughs> that's and so that's kind of where my head was at back then so when we decided to, to step away and be a more i guess a secular band um right. and that's and that's definitely where the name change discussion came out of a lot like um i know that um oh what was the name of that label that um Sumerian. Sumerian yeah. really wanted us to change our name. Um, that, that, that was their, I'm not going to trash talk Sumerian record. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to ever like <laughs> work with them, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, I know I'll, I'll say, I know of other bands that they boy banded together, like bands that you've heard of and bands you've probably booked. Uh, they, uh, they were, they were boy bands that were like other bands where the owner that that label would uh, cherry pick and say, Hey, I like you quit your local band and join this band I'm putting together. Um, the hmm. guy from the faceless would write songs for a lot of these bands. It was, Ooh. it was, it was a boy band factory. Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. That's just what I hear, what I hear, but it seems, <laughs> right, it seems right. legit from the people I heard it from. So I they're going to send you a record label in the mail just to mess with you tomorrow. And season to 15, whatever long, 10 years yeah. later. Uh, well, speaking of these uh, rumors and innuendo, um, like I was talking about, me personally being from an outside perspective, I remember um, hearing things, or especially just starting to come to shows that like fathom and really thinking you guys were a big deal because I listened to you on pure volume of my space. Like we even, me and my buddies went to Cornerstone in 2006. Wow. And uh, yeah, and listened to your record like part of the way there and then went and saw you guys at your generator stage. Uh, was it the one with the really squealy generator stage show? I think so. It was yeah. definitely when you guys were with, with blood comes cleansing. Cause we were big on them too. And we, we saw we them like, we weren't even supposed to be there. It was uh, cause it was really? that, it was that, that was on that tour that was supposed to be with uh, my children, my bride. Oh, and, okay. uh, and they were like, you know, we, we were like, we, we don't know. And they're like, do you guys need to do this? And like, I don't know that you can get, we can get you booked anywhere in there, but like, if you can come up with the money to get in, there's generator stages. And so we pulled together and went in and that was, that ended up being a really big deal for us. We yeah. uh, made some, made some good connections there, but um you know, cause we, like we had, we had been kind of uh, in talks with solid state for a good long time and they'd been dangling a carrot out in front of us. And then ultimately that didn't, that didn't come to fruition, but um, there was just, it was so that's it, actually it, what I was going to bring up. They were the ones that told me to play with a pick. We're going to throw them under the yeah. bus. We're throwing some under the bus. It was them. Hey, nice. that's okay. fine. Cause well, well, that's what I had always heard was that you guys were so close to signing with solid state, which obviously they were the, the place to be if you were going to be a metalcore band like around that time and be associated with the christian market at all like that's especially with distro wise and stuff that was definitely yeah the place to be to be under that tooth and nail and emi umbrella right um 
And but what I was talking about rumors, I'd always heard something that they had asked you, Ian, like specifically to like try to lose weight to get signed. Is that true? No, it was something I always knew that I needed to do. Um, so it was it was always right. something that was, I was you know trying to do, but not that no one had ever said that to me. So um, I, I can't say it. Now I do. I, I think I want to say they told me I needed to get more tattoos. I still don't have any. Really, <laughs> really, yeah, but, get yeah. more tattoos. But I think I think they were like, yeah, no, you got to have like sleeves if you want to be a, a front man. But, uh, <laughs> so I was, my thought was like, well, I'll wait until I'm famous enough to where artists want to give me free work because of who I am. And, hey, there you go, uh, and right. it's that never happened so i never got any um but um hmm. no yeah no i never that, that was never a thing um that that i knew of. i mean I, again it was a personal thing i wanted to lose weight so if they had said that right. to me i'd have been like i agree you, you know <laughs> but uh no uh no I, I i don't again it's 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 hard to talk about our failure without throwing a ton of other people under the bus and make me sound bitter like it's their fault but uh, it's just kind of like we had a manager at the time um he was a good guy, I think, um, but he really kind of is the reason why that solid state deal went nowhere. Um, we got a different manager after that who was a, a fairly legit guy and, and really you know, did right by us the best he could. Um, and he kind of took over from the first guy and was talking to solid state. But then ultimately, like they had lost interest because I guess we were I, 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 it's hard. It's hard to say exactly what it's went, that show, that Nashville show. They kind of screwed oh. us over. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. So they, they did finally like book us a showcase so they could come and see us oh, live. Really? On, on one day's notice on one day's on one notice. Day's notice yes. Uh, it was on like a Wednesday night in Nashville. Yeah. So there was not like, it wasn't like a book show that had been promoted. It was just a, we show up and play in at this, at this venue and, you know, try and get, I think didn't the plea for purging play that with us? Like, so I can't it remember. Like, who, but it was that whole thing was just because my, my, uh, my base amp I was is getting repaired, so I had to you know, like get this crappy like pawn shop amp or something. It was the whole wow. thing was a mess. Like in a day, yeah. yeah. And we yeah. had a lot of yeah, we had a lot of gear issues. I think Weatherford had to like use someone else's amp. He um, did, yep. And it was just it was just a big uh, it was a big mess. Um, and so I guess that was yeah. After that, it was just kind of the conversation was done. Um, hmm. But uh, we uh, you know. I, there were people who went to bat for us. Uh, Jimmy from Haste the Day loved us, and he was always a sweetheart and really tried to really tried to get get our name thrown around in those circles. But uh, ultimately, I think you know just bad timing, bad luck, um, right? And then the new guy is is who really pushed us at Sumerian, um, and then he and uh, that you know was also dangled in front of us for a long time, and then mm-hmm. really went nowhere, but. Then we signed. Was uh, anybody else kind of close to, I guess, like, or any, I mean, decent sized record label close to making, working out a deal with you guys? Well, I, I know I'd talk to, um, is it, is it face down? Is that the big Christian hardcore label? Yeah. Yeah. We talked to them on the phone um, and, and we're trying to work something out and it just, uh, nothing really materialized there. Um, we had talked to, um, I mean, we were, we ended up being good friends with um, Matt from Tribunal, um, but and he wanted to put out the mm-hmm. first one, um, but it just we we were we were kind of dumb then, and he was like, "I want to put it out, but it'll be like sometime next year," and we were like, "Oh, we want to go ahead and put it out ourselves now," and so we went ahead and did that, and it took us almost that same amount of time to put it out ourselves, <laughs> uh, so we probably ought to just done that uh, and, and start because Tribunal was a great like launchpad label. They got a, they got. A lot of right. the bands went yeah. on 
yeah. to do uh, to, to do good bigger things. labels, right? Yeah, yeah. It would have been a good learning experience just to know how to deal with labels. I think, yeah. but, you know, that's hindsight for sure. So I guess this still would have been around two thousand six ish. Is that right? Yeah, I think like I mean that was definitely the the with blood comes cleanse both with blood comes cleansing tours were two thousand six, and then I think we did a couple more at the tail end of that year. Um, mm -hmm. And then that's when like we started, well, we'd already had some lineup changes because Mike was our guitar player for, for those tours. And then, um, and then so Mike after is that, the guy that came from, is from Alabama. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay, cool. It seemed like when Mike came in, there was this shift. That's kind of what I was going to bring up next. Um, kind of between beneath the heel of oppression and, um, uh, the next one, uh, Conquest Triumph, right? Yep. Um, what year did that come out? 2008? Um, yeah, Conquest was 2008, yeah. Right, so then, yes, you got a few years in between. You had all this, um, I guess, attention kind of garnered for you after you self-released Beneath the Hill, and you had all these tours under your belt, but then you have this major lineup change and which also seemed like it brought a change in the sound a little bit also um you want to touch on that some and maybe how you felt like it kind of maybe changed your trajectory um you got any thoughts eric yeah it was i mean it was dustin was a big songwriter on uh, beneath the hill and i don't really remember he just i guess he just wanted a job i think he had a girlfriend at the time so he he well, left go ahead what do you remember better than me he went to college because oh yeah, like, of course his college his, yeah should have known yeah his his mom worked for UTC so he was able to get like some kind of deal on a scholarship or something like that and so it's like but he, had to, he had to use it within a certain amount of time so he was like yeah uh, okay and he had stopped he had we kind of the writing was on the wall because I mean I you know I still talk to Dustin we still get along but uh, he. Right. Um, he uh, uh, just kind of quit. We were all best friends who hung out pretty much every day and he was off doing his own thing during that time. So we kind of knew that like either he's, you know, about to leave or we're probably going to have to do something else. Cause <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like, it's like, it's almost like he's not in the band anymore. And then he's like, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So then after that, we just, you know, we found Mike, we made a demo with Mike that we're going to make a full album with, but that is not happening. Then Mike quit. Mm -hmm. And so that's just that whole 2007 was just kind of spent, like finding a guitar player, starting to write a new album and then him leaving and kind of having to start it from scratch when we got Trevor. So that's 2007 was kind of a slow year for us. We got, we lost a lot of momentum that year. Mm -hmm. I feel right. like plus the sound changed, obviously. Okay. Right, right. So what brought on the sound change? Was that just because, like you were saying, Dustin was a big, one of the main songwriters, and then now you've got this, um, I guess it was Trevor that mm -hmm. came in, um, or had you already had new material written before Trevor came in? Did we have any? No, I think, yeah. so the stuff yeah. Weatherford and Mike wrote together kind of showed up on Conquest a little bit, the stuff that Weatherford wrote, but it was just Weatherford and Dustin have very similar or, di or dissimilar styles. And so whether, I don't think whatever could write the kind of music that Dustin wrote and vice versa. So it was just, right. we couldn't make the same kind of music without Dustin. So we kind of had um, kind of more of a Weatherford direction after that. Which, which was right. definitely, definitely more of the, the metal like metal. direction yeah. that, mm -hmm. that I, that I had yeah. been trying to work towards all along.
So did, did you guys, um, I mean, it's right. And I mean, Conquest is still a great record and it seems like um, it was, uh, that sound was almost born more so out of necessity, even though Ian, like you were saying, you were hoping that you guys would kind of lean into that. But when you look back on it now, do you feel like that was a detriment to maybe trying to like your overall success or do you think um that was the right move to keep going to just stick to your guns do what you guys <laughs> believed in and not trying to chase attention right i mean i you know there's there's a, a bunch of different ways of looking at it i you know i i think that ultimately i mean you got to make the art that's in you or it's not genuine and that's it won't be good if it's not what you want to do i mean i don't get me wrong right. I, i'm still proud of all the work that we did i'm not like you know it's it's not, uh, you know, even even back in the man versus tree stuff, that was fun. I enjoyed doing it, even if it wasn't where 100% where my heart was. Um, but, like, I think that, you know, the more you lean into a direction that's what you want to do is is always better for the art. Now, for, for the business, you do kind of need to be smart. You need to know where, like, the kids are. Um you know, it's, it's, I, I used to say it's like cookies, you know, you can make the best oatmeal raisin cookies in the world, but if everyone on your street wants uh chocolate chip, then, you know, no one's going to know. Yeah. So um, yep, exactly. They're not going to care. Yep. So, I mean, if, if you are thinking, if you're wanting to, it to be your career, you have to kind of be, you have to kind of play to the whims of, of what public opinion and public taste are. Um, but if you're just doing it for your own fulfillment, then don't listen to anybody, make what you want to make. Right. Um, you've established this new sound, you've put out Conquest. Tell me about the reaction to Conquest, how it compared to the reaction to Beneath the Hill, um, how you guys felt about where you were going as a band, were you still touring as steadily at that mm -hmm. time to trying to get people to hear this music? Yeah, tell me about that time. Um, I think that was, um, so Conquest was when we had signed to Stand and Deliver, um, that we were okay. their first band that they had ever signed. So we, our attitude was, at the time, was the label is really secondary to the band. If the band is good enough and, and can get enough attention, then uh, the label could be any label. It doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's kind of a viral. True. Yeah, it was a viral mentality before that was a thing. I think now it's more true than it was then, um, especially yeah. when like that label was not awesome. They're not around anymore, so I don't mind trashing them. Uh, they <laughs> they were not great to us or to, uh, you know, it's essentially, you know, you always hear like the trash talk. People talk about like vi how Victory Records was and how it operated. Um, our label oh, yeah. was apparently an imprint of Victory that like copied over uh -huh. there. It was like it was made from people who worked with Victory, so it was that whole like philosophy, but just on an indie level. Um, and uh, yeah, just so much went wrong with with that whole whole experience. Um, but they did get us on, you know, they they did get that album uh, recorded for us and, and released, and it was you know out in stores, which was cool. Um, and we got to tour with like some pretty big bands. We were out with like Carnifex and Salt the Wound and. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, who else was on that tour? Dance Club Massacre was on a run of it. Um, Kill Whitney Dead. It was their tour that they were doing. Um, so that was that was really really you know cool thing to get to do. It gave us a lot of lot of kind of hope and, and and that things were still gonna work out. And um, you know, but but it was you know again it was touring, playing a style that like I mean that album especially had like we started like mixing in like a Mon Marth references and. Um, Right. You know, all kinds of, we went really like, I mean, we, my, 
you know, I, I'm just the singer, so I can't really talk about like the, the musical side of it that much, but it felt to me like we were trying to throw everything we could at the wall and just make it stick together. Um, Cause we, we, we didn't really like have a singular genre. We really jumped around. Yeah. We'd have like, you know, thrash metal riffs and then power metal riffs and then metalcore riffs and breakdowns. And, uh-huh. and then we do a death metal part and then a black metal part. So it was really like us just throwing everything we could at, at the wall and like making it, I think sound like the complete songs, like that sh- yeah. sound like they should go together. And, um, you know, that was a lot of fun to play. Yeah. So it was, we were having a lot of fun playing that album. So I don't know how well it translated, but yeah, the album was super fun to play. Yeah. I know. It seems our- like something that, like like how you were describing it, it had all these different almost subgenres of metal mixed in together that you were kind of throwing at the wall and hope would stick together. But it seems like even um, if the last I don't know you could just say like ten years like that's a lot of the more popular like metal is structured that way. So do you think like if your album had come out you know ten years later maybe it would have done a little better? I mean, again, who's to say, I mean, it, you know, it could have, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's all just depends on like, I mean, I noticed like kind of around the time we were kind of, um, you know, running our course, um, death itself was kind of getting swallowed up by other, other, you know, styles that, that were, were coming up right. with the kids. Um, and I, you know, I, I wasn't too, uh, in touch with that. I'd started to drift in other directions, uh, with, with what I listened to at that time. But, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was interesting to see. It was a little sad to see, you know, some of my death friends now complaining, making the same complaints we were making. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, I mean, but kids are fickle kids. And that's the thing. And it's like, and it, it makes sense because when you're a kid, and you can't get into shows and you see all the older cool kids who do you feel excluded from that you don't you almost feel like yeah that's not you know i'm not cool enough to be part of that because i'm not 18 yet or whatever and then so then when you do get old enough to start going to shows that's old timey stuff you don't want that you want the new thing that speaks to you that you're that your friend the Mm -hmm. the music that you and your friends are making so it's it's something to to be expected it's just it seemed like it started happening faster and faster there for a while yeah, the internet probably definitely helped that move, like you said, so fast. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're just going to rebel against kids two years older than them. So instead of it being like 10 years older than them. Right. Well, and so everything was so much more available than it used to be, right? I'm sure when you guys were doing these tours, like you were printing off map quests and stuff to mm-hmm. get around, um, yeah. right? And the whole notebook full of MapQuest printed. Exactly. And so I'm sure towards the tail end is when you finally even got to use some sort of like GPS, like navigational yeah. system at all. And so think about just how that relates to touring, but then how it also can relate to distributing music, have music heard for people in all portions of the world, like hearing all different genres even uh, subgenres of metal right everything is mm-hmm. so accessible and it's also so much easier to get out right yep. so it's just flooded like the market is completely oh, yeah. flooded right so do you feel like um especially um once you guys put out conquest around 2008 and maybe even into like because i guess you guys were still abandoned like 2010 right i think 2009 was, I mean, we never officially broke up. We never like put out like a, mm-hmm. a statement or anything like that. It just, it kind of just became a thing we stopped doing. And um, so you. the last, 
the last show we played before we did any actual reunions was I think 2009. And that was the, that, that was sort of our come it was meant to be a comeback show. And it just kind of, you know, there were so many other factors like uh, at that point, Trevor had quit and we were, you know, again, down a guitar player again, having to like look for people, someone else to teach all of our existing material to, and then incorporate their style into our sound all over again. I think it just, yeah, I'm sure that, that point, got old. Yeah. yeah, we played that Carnifex tour as a four piece, or for half of it, because Tom yeah. played with the first half, and then we played the second half as a four piece, which was really weird because our music is not a four piece, you know, right? Not like and it right. Just, that, yeah. I think that that kind of had the same effect that that like that show I was that we were talking about earlier, the um, that Solid State came out to see, um, where it was like no one was getting the actual product; they were getting a really watered down version of it because it's all we could do, uh, but we didn't mm-hmm. want to cancel it, so. Dang. Yeah, the whole tour was great, but it was so, it was so weird. Just the whole whole thing, that last tour. Yeah, it was like having to make excuses the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, oh right, no, listen and, to the and, CD. And you hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You want just people to see your, you at your best, and you, it seems like you guys were just losing limbs at that point, and you didn't have time to, or the even, probably even the passion or the want to maybe to really get them put back on maybe like you did previously you know it sounds like you guys were maybe were getting kind of run down and Ian, like you were saying there's probably a lot of different factors that attributed to that obviously it's not just the market being flooded with more and more music or um, people not being as interested in the genre itself Um, i'm sure it had a lot to do with people's personal lives and stuff too right yeah um, i mean like we were all you know that was our job for the longest time. I mean, like I know you, uh, you know, Collins, you'd get jobs in between tour, but most of yeah. us didn't. And so we were all like well into our, like, I mean, I was in my late twenties at this point, still living at home. Um, you yeah. know, coolest guy in the world during those couple months I was on the road and get home and, you know, it was like, Hey everybody, can I bum $5? You know, like, <laughs> right. Was, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, so it was it, it, that, that weighs on you. Um, and I'm sure everybody was feeling that. You know, it, it was getting to where like, you know, our friends would be throwing parties at home while we were on the road and like we'd be we'd be sad we couldn't go to the party. You know, it was like, meanwhile, <laughs> we're on we're touring, you know, living our dreams. We're, you know, parties are things people do who don't get to tour. And, you know, but meanwhile, we're like, oh, man, it sure would be fun to be there right now. So I think, you know, eat, you can only eat so much dollar menu before you start to go a little crazy. Yeah. I think It kind of became a job that didn't pay any money at all. So that, that's, that's a problem. It's also becoming fun and you're not making any money. It definitely starts to, uh, to wear on you a little bit, at least in my case. Yeah, for sure. It, it like wears down even the most passionate people about it. Right. Like when you've been doing it for so long and yeah, like you're saying, you're here eating a dollar menu every day and it's not producing money to really take care of anything at this point. Then it's just, it just probably feels pointless. Yeah. Um, and from what it sounds like you guys, you know, you didn't really have a real breakup. You just kind of let it gradually dissolve. You kind of went on with your lives for a little while. So what brought about the reunion show? And do you guys remember what year that was? I mean, I want to say it was too, like the one we did at the warehouse was uh, 2009. Cause we've done, we've done two more. Uh, Eric, Eric wasn't with us for those, uh, but we've done two more. I haven't practiced the- enough to be good yeah. enough to play anymore. <laughs> Oh man, I'm, I, if we try to do one now, it would be it would be a mess. But uh, I uh, um, we did uh, a couple at JJ's, like 
two years back to back, or maybe like a year apart. Like we did one and then took a right. year off and then did another one. Um, but the, the warehouse one I think was 2009 and that was kind of meant to, to get the, the steam engine going again, but it was just a matter of after really? that. Yeah. But like, we also needed to find another uh, guitar player. I think we had a fill in for that and he, he wasn't someone mm-hmm. who could, uh, who could step in and do it full time. Um, and so it was the process of finding someone who, who a could play our stuff, could like if they needed to relocate to Chattanooga, which is a hard thing to ask somebody to do, um, you know, had our, had our availability, had the gusto. And, you know, also it was a lot of work on our side. And I don't think everybody was willing to put that into it where it was like, you know, let's teach this person all the songs. Uh, let's mm-hmm. get them into shape. And, you know, it was just at that point, I think it was just very much it. It, it wasn't like, I, I think we'd never formally bro- uh, broke up because we never really had to. I think it was sort of a, just a, I mean, my hopes were still up for, for maybe something happening for a couple years, but eventually it was just like, yeah, it's just, it was what it was. And I mean, maybe, you know, you know the songs are still out there that, you know, I watched that Anvil documentary, which is about a band from the eighties that did pretty well. And then had a, had a nice little comeback for a minute there. And, uh, that could happen. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out, but it's just, we'd have to blow the, the, the F up. We'd have to get yeah. huge. <laughs> like, yeah. I we can't, get I a meme, can't. some kind of meme about us somehow just to get internet famous <laughs> somehow, some way. We talked about doing a reunion show. Was it, I think it was last year before COVID and yeah. uh, obviously never came about. I was going to try to play that one. I was going to like really buckle down and practice. So I was, I was pretty excited about it. Then COVID happened. So was it meant to be at least last year? Mm-hmm. I mean, it could, could still happen, you know, maybe 2022, 2023, whenever it's yeah. right, whenever it's safe. But uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't rule anything out as far as that goes, but also like, I can't make the same sacrifices I made when I was in my twenties. Like I can't quit exactly. my job yep. for a month and expect them to hold on to it for me. Mm-hmm. So do you think like with the multiple reunion shows that you guys did, were they almost always to like you were saying, almost like reignite the flame pun intended. <laughs> I think that one, that one was what I went into it as uh, for sure. The other two, the JJ's ones, that had been after a few years. I think that was like 2000, maybe 14 and 16, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. They, those were more just, Hey, let's, let's have fun again. Like it wasn't right. like, a, yeah. Like we got, uh, we got our friend Corey who he, he played bass. He was our merch guy for a while, uh, but he's, he's a really talented musician, really good guy. He, um, he came down and played on those with us. And um, you know, the first one we, you know, the idea was like, look, you know, there's not a fathom anymore. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have outgrown it, but you know, at this point we could do a small venue like JJ's and just pack it out. Um, right. we pa- if I remember, we did pack out that way. It was, it was, I was in the crowd. It was, it was packed. It was good. It was a fun time. It was fun watching the band from the outside. I'd never done it before. It, yeah. was, it was actually kind of a nice experience. Yeah, we um, uh, we talked about that um, the one at the warehouse a little bit on one of our previous episodes because you guys are one of the only few local bands that sold out that room in East Ridge. Um, yeah, just with being a pure local band, right? And obviously it was a reunion show, but still pretty cool. Like because it was well, I think the cap in that room was 180 people, but I mean there was I mean easily 250 people probably there that night from what I remember. Is that what you remember, Casey? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was well over 200, so it was a lot of fun.
Yeah, it's 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 weird to say. I mean, we got a lot of you know. I'm sure a lot of musicians will be like, "You freaking asshole!" When I say this, but like, we got got we did get kind of spoiled to where like I mean I think our, our spirits started to kind of falter when our shows were only pulling about a hundred because uh, we 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 were doing right. pretty well there. I think like at our our CD release show for the first album we did like four hundred or so, and then um, on average it was about two. Some would slip closer to three, but then once they started getting down to like a hundred people, I'm like, oh man, maybe the magic's gone. And then that's also dubstep i think I, I i said i don't want to throw blame around i will throw blame at dubstep dubstep <laughs> came in oh, gosh. and wrecked our whole scene and, and i know <laughs> why i know why and i'll tell you it's because the scene thrived because it was a place where pretty girls could go meet cute boys in tight jeans and then dubstep was that they could go to those shows and meet cute boys in tight jeans uh, but it was music that they actually wanted to listen to. I, and that's, that's sexist. I'm sure a lot of ladies love metal, but uh, I just know that ladies love to dance and there wasn't a lot of dancing. Well, there's dancing, but not the same thing. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> oh, I think dubstep dubstep was just too, too big and too, uh, too, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's, it went the same way as everything else though. I mean, you know, Is dubstep, I was going to ask if dubstep still a thing. Does anybody I'm know? Sure. It turned into where they were doing like, it was like a Thursday night event at like, you know, raw where it'd be like, that's the thing they do instead of karaoke that night. But so right. yeah, that, uh, that Tyler made me, Wallen was big in that scene. Yeah. yeah. He transitioned and started doing other styles of electronic, but, uh, cause I, I, I kept up with him. I, you know, I, I feel bad. It's COVID is the main reason I haven't talked to him in a long time, but, um, we, we would run into each other every so often. He was, he was still at it, but doing like way yeah. weirder stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard some of it. Um, yeah. A few years ago, I thought the pretty much the same thing, but Hey, good for him. Like you were saying, you want to do, you want to take your sound in a direction that you want to take it, whether, you know, multiple mul multitudes of people enjoy it or not. That way it's art that you can make that you can be proud of. It's what naturally comes out of you. Right. And I'm sure that's like what we were talking about. That was what drives you guys to have those reunion shows, to have fun. I mean, you're talking about we're doing trying to plan another reunion show but was there anything in the works for maybe even like writing new music either with you guys or with um, bands you'd been in after with faith or flames i mean i've always my, my answer has always been you know I, I, as the vocalist my part comes last so if if there's mm -hmm. a song that needs vocals on it and they say ian do this i'm, I'm gonna do it um but that's that's been my answer since since it fizzled out. But um, you know, it's I, I'm always down to, to to make. I do miss it. I do miss you know uh, playing in bands. I mean, even if it's just you know a local show for fun, which is kind of what I did. You know, unspoken triumph thing for um, a, a few years, and that was also a similar right. situation where they were a band and they needed a singer, and I was like, all right, it's pretty close to what we were doing, so I think I can step in and. Um, and then there was even some sound evolution going on there um, and plans to do more. I was going to pick up a bass and sing and play at the same time, but uh, it didn't, it didn't mm -hmm. come, come to fruition. Um, Cause really that was, that was more of, you know, right after I joined our drummer, Caleb had a child. So he definitely couldn't make like crazy sacrifices. I was already getting older. You know, I was, I was in my, um, at that point I was like just past 30. So it was, it was getting to the point where I can't do, crazy stupid things anymore it was sort of a, like it's a lottery ticket more than a, an investment like like with faith or flames was very much an investment and this was more like mm -hmm. yeah we'll see what happens we'll play, have fun on the weekends you know um right and uh that was that was neat but that that 
you know, that ended because um, I had picked up stand up and decided that that was more the direction I was really wanting to go in. And um, the other guys in the band had all joined another band together called Hate Stomp. And I right. was really, I was really supportive of that. And I was like, you guys are got a great thing going on over there. I got a great thing going on over here. Let's just hang it up. If we feel like doing it again, we can. And there's been talk of an unspoken triumph reunion too. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, again, COVID kind of <laughs> drove a, drove a train right through that idea, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's fun. I, I, I'll still be around. I'll still be out in public doing stuff. I'm sure, but I'm sorry for, sorry to ramble. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. That's probably one of you guys on. We wanted to hear about, everything that had been going on with you guys musically over the years, what drove you to make all this music, kind of the story behind with Faith or Flames, this like legendary metal band for Chattanooga. And I don't know if you guys really see it like that, but I know I keep bringing this up, but I'm a little bit younger than you guys. Not probably not like a ton, but mm-hmm. so I was one of the people that would come and see you guys where, you know, Casey was more so in the mix of it, like booking and playing shows with you guys where I was there, pain to see you play right so slightly different perspective so when i look back on with faith or flames and what it means to chattanooga i can see your influence just over all the years that i helped run a venue you know i can see it in all sorts of different the metal bands that played there whether they were deathcore death metal thrash all this kind of stuff like um the good melodic death, right? A lot of that kind of stuff. We see that influence from you guys, even just as a um, as a local artist. Even though you guys toured all over the nation and everything, put out two great releases um, that you can still find at McKay's bookstore. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, other places. Of course, it's on Spotify. Hey, there you go. I've got I've got a garage full of CDs still. If anybody out there listening wants one, uh, just hit me up. I'll I'll be happy to to get them to you. <laughs> awesome. But does how anybody, do you how do you? I was just saying, oh, does anybody even have a CD player anymore? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I have an older car, so I still listen to CDs like nice. in my car, right? Oh yeah. But um, so how do you guys feel or view kind of your um? That's what I'm looking for. I guess just like the the band with Faith or Flames overall, like over the course of its career, its effect on the scene in Chattanooga, do you feel that legendary status kind of? I mean, I definitely see it and I think it's well-deserved, but do you guys see that? For me, I mean, I was, you know, just a bass player, but I mean, there's people that still come up to me and like, you know, Collins, holy crap. And like, Sometimes like I know who they are. Sometimes they're just a fan. I might've talked to you like once or twice and I'm not trying to be a, like a dick, but I don't remember them, but it's just, I do, I guess from that perspective, I guess I don't really see it for myself as us being, you know, special or whatever, but people still come up to me and know who we are. It's, it's kind of a weird feeling. So mm-hmm. from that point of view, I guess I do. I'm uh, I'm I've changed a bit physically. I put on some weight, I'm balding. Um, so I, I don't get as much of that anymore. And also like, because I'm kind of a loud mouth, uh, you know, with the comedy thing, um, it's kind of a running gag that, uh, Oh, is Ian told you that he's in a band that used to be in a band today? Uh, it's <laughs> kind, of, kind of that. So, I mean, everyone knows it and nobody cares from my side of things. I mean, it's level. It's, 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 you know, um, 
it's you know a love a, in a loving way because uh, comics just roast each other all the time. That's really all we do when we hang out. But um, you know, it's 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 sort of a and then also in comedy, it's not as you know. While there's a lot of good musicians in the comedy scene, uh, it's definitely not as like you know you get all kinds of people. So you there's no like mm-hmm. you know heavy music center like there is when you're in like a music scene. Um, so so it's like. I have to listen to a lot of bad music when I hang out with my comedy friends, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. Cool. Well, I mean, I feel like that pretty much wraps things up. Do you guys, I mean, do you guys have any like final thoughts that maybe you want to get out that maybe people wouldn't um, associate with, with faith or flames or think about anything that um, I kind of talked about your legendary status in in Chattanooga, anything you want to, um, a little final note on anything like that maybe how um you appreciate people coming to see you guys or anything like that um for sure i I, i'll i'll say this and then i'll pass the mic over to eric but i uh, um yeah i uh super thankful i mean you know my attitude is we didn't we didn't become the big famous rock stars that we thought we were you know hopefully going to become but i think we did some cool shit we, uh, you know, like, I think it's like cool stories I'm always going to have. And it's like, it's, it's, you know, that those experiences I wouldn't trade for anything. And that's all because, you know, a bunch of kids thought we were awesome. So I, I can never, you know, sort of repay that in a way, except other than to say like, you know, the world is changing. The world's super different. I know like live music in general has kind of taken a nosedive even before COVID um, just because people like, you know, ha- have so many options at home now. But I mean, the feeling of playing music live is something that I can't like, I don't care what you think of drugs. Drugs are nothing. Don't don't skip drugs. Play live music. Uh, kids, go out there, start bands, annoy your parents, get a drum set, ask them for a drum set for Christmas. Keep live music going. That's like, you know, if you want, if you if you thought we were, I mean, if, if anyone's listening to this and you're, you're a person who can be in a band, do it. Why not? You know, even if it's just yeah. playing covers in a in a bar somewhere, that's still, it's it's awesome. I I, I just think you know, I don't. It, it may be dying. It may be something that that you know, I'm the old old man on the hill screaming at the sky. But I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see. You know, I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see what the next generations do that was, that was a really good answer yeah i mean for me i it was it was just a really it was a great time so you know played music with my best friends in high school growing up it just kind of snowballed out of control for a while and uh yeah it was it was a really really fun time so appreciate everybody that came and watched us bought a cd all that stuff It was awesome having you guys on. We really appreciate it, especially with what we're trying to do just with this podcast, kind of, you know, taking it slow, kind of showing everybody a little bit of the history of Chattanooga heavy music that maybe they haven't heard it from the source, right? And so obviously we did some of those first episodes of our take of when we ran a venue for five to six years. And now we want to really start digging into some of the bands that really made an impact over the years, right? And you guys were one of the first ones we want to approach about it. So we appreciate you guys being on and giving us your time and giving us your, um, yeah, your stories about your perspective on everything. 
thanks speak. thanks for having us yeah um yeah. i've been i've been listening it's it's an awesome show it, it really takes me back so keep keep at it yeah i was gonna say the same thing i can't wait to see the uh, other bands you'll have on to kind of get their stories too i'm pretty excited about it it's gonna be you know walk down memory lane Thanks again for tuning in to the Chatta Heavy Podcast. We've been your hosts, Casey and Jason. And um, huge shout out to Donnie Bryant for providing the music for today's episode. He dug deep into his CD collection and uh, found both full length with Faith or Flames albums. So thank you, Donnie. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you around. Yeah,